Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 99, your weekly podcast talking about everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on Google Play, iTunes, and mtggoldfish.com. Your hosts, as always, Chaz, who writes uh, finance articles about the, the game, as well as just anything general Magic the Gathering related. Richard, joining us, the ho- owner of MTG Goldfish. What's up, Richard? Hey, Chaz, what's going on? I'm doing I'm doing well. It's it's going well. Seth, or probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and <laughs> all-around writer of Magic. What's up, Seth? Oh, uh, what's going on, guys? What is going on? Uh, on the docket today, we are going to be talking about more Aether Revolt um, I guess we'll say, yeah, they were spoilers slash leaks, but now they're confirmed. Uh, so we want to dive into that. Uh, we talked about a few of them last week, but there has been a few more that we didn't get to talk to, uh, about. So we'll mention them all here. Um, also, in one of these spoilers, we kind of got a a view into the next block. So Amonkhet, there's kind of a confirmation that Nicole Bolas, that you know everyone knew that Nicole Ballas was going to end up there, but now we have confirmation in the text of a card. Um, and then we have some leak packaging from a Wizards of the Coast survey, and we'll wrap it up with some fish mail. So, Aether Revolt. What, uh, let's uh, just jump right into the individual cards. Richard, uh, let's take it away. All right, our first spoiler is Heart of Kiran, two mana, a 4-4 legendary artifact vehicle, Flying Vigilance, Crew 3, you may remove a loyalty counter from a Planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kiran's crew cost. So when you tweeted this out, Richard, because, you know, we all kind of had our thoughts on this um, over social media, you were really excited about this card. Yeah, I think it's insanely broken. I still do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys can convince me that it's somehow balanced. Let's, let's, I don't know. Seth, okay. I think you think you're a bit more optimistic I, about this card uh or well maybe less optimistic actually i think no. well optimistic <laughs> think, that it's not broken <laughs> yes yeah oh in that sense i'm more optimistic so i think when i first saw it, it was like wow that's like a two mana sierra angel this has to be really good but after thinking about it more i'm pretty sure this is just like not strictly worse, but generally worse than Smuggler's Copter. I think if you're playing like Red White Vehicles or any of the decks you see Copter in today, I think you just play Copter still. And maybe if you wanted more than four Copters, this is like Copter five and six or something. Uh, but the crew cost is much higher. Like to me, this feels like a fair Smuggler's Copter. You actually got a crew three, so you can't just like Thraben Inspector and go on the beatdowns, which is part of what makes Copter so good. It's very powerful and big, but crew three is a lot. The one place I think it could be very good is in a like Planeswalker heavy deck or even a Super Friends deck, because being able to crew for free by taking off a loyalty counter actually offers a lot of possibilities but it's legendary and i think i would just rather loot most of the time instead of having one more power and toughness yeah i I think if you're gonna if you're going to one for one compare this to smuggler's copter i think smuggler's copter will have the edge in most scenarios but i gotta say this looks really strong uh once you follow this up with one of the three mana walkers like Liliana or even now Sahili Rai looks a lot more uh, enticing with Heart of Kiran. Now, I know you're still kind of relying on Heart of Kiran to protect these walkers, but I mean, it does have vigilance. 
you look at some of the planeswalkers with plus two abilities. So you even like Nahiri, the Harbinger, those are suddenly really potent with Heart of Kira now. It's going to be really hard to get past a four four, and it it goes up against like basically everything in the format. Sans like Minerag Demon and uh, like Sky Sovereign. That's pretty much it. But I do. Uh, I'm tending to lean with Seth here in the turn, like in the fact that this is more geared towards very specific deck building rather than Smuggler's Copter just being good normally all the time. And the crew three is a little harder, obviously, to organically crew with a creature, not just using a planeswalker's loyalty, than obviously crew one. But there are still some some cards that do that relatively easily. You still look at you can play a turn one toolcraft exemplar into a turn two heart of Kieran. You'll have the you know the crew cost met. But it's just kind of weird because like you said, Seth, it's it's like you can't play the Thraven Inspector and then into the Smuggler's Copter. So this is kind of like messing with the two costs. And then you're only trading up one power because if you look at like Scrap Heap Scrounger and again, like Toolcraft Exemplar, you're only really getting an extra power. I'll bet it's, uh, it has flying. So it has evasion. So I don't know. I think it's good overall, but I'm not lean towards broken. I don't buy it. Broken, 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 <laughs> no. broken, broken. <laughs> so, so you're right. Like, Copter is more versatile. You can one-drop in a Copter and go to town. Uh, so you're not going to jam four Heart of Kiran in your deck, and it's also legendary. But I think it's going to have a significant impact on the metagame, kind of like how Archangel Avacyn, you know, you don't just put four in every single deck, but it has a very strong influence on the metagame. This is Avacyn on turn two, right? And you don't need a Planeswalker-heavy deck. Like, Gideon goes in every deck. You know what's gross? Play Gideon, you know, pay zero to activate Gideon and smash with a 5-5, remove a loyalty from him, attack with this 4-4 thing, and like nine powers coming at your face that you can't deal with. All the other Planeswalkers, you know, Liliana, Sahili Rai suddenly looks a little more enticing now. Just the ability to instant speed, uh, remove a loyalty counter, and crew up Hardikiran as a 4-4 Vigilance flying attacker or blocker. It stuffs Smuggler's Copter. You can't attack a Smuggler's Copter into this thing. And, you know, you if you plus one, get, in a, you know, get some benefit out of it, and then use that loyalty to remove and crew up Heart of Kiran, you're still coming out ahead. So, it seems ridiculous. I, I don't know. Like, how are you going to attack past a 4-4? So, and it flies. I, I don't know what you're going to do with it. You got you to gotta fragmentize it. Like, that's all you got, <laughs> yeah. right? You can't... It's definitely, yeah, it's definitely powerful, and I, I have no doubt that we'll see it in certain uh, archetypes. No doubt. It does seem really insane with Liliana. Like, I don't know how, like, in a yeah. controlling deck, how do you get in any damage to anything if you can plus one Liliana every turn to kind of take one creature out of combat and then just remove that loyalty counter to have this 4-4 flying vigilant blocker? It seems like a really good line of defense, and then... You can kind of use it like Celestial Colonnade in the late game, where after you get the game in hand and you are pretty sure your opponent can't kill it, you can just like beat down with this 4-4 Vigilant creature and win the game. So that's where I'm most interested in it is in those scenarios. And as a 4-4, it does dodge uh, Fiery Temper, Harness Lightning if you don't have more energy synergies going on. So it dodges some removal, dodges Sorcery Speed stuff. So I think it's a good card. I think... It just looks bad to me because Smuggler's Copter is so absurdly powerful that they print this really crazy mythic vehicle and it just looks bad compared to Copter because Copter is just 
too good, I think, at this point, the I would co- say. The copter gets significantly worse. Like, if your opponent yeah. has a harder Karan and you don't have interaction, your copter is now totally useless. So I, I think the existence of this card will tone down copter. Because today you had to play your own copter, which, you know, you needed to be a creature-based deck, but now creature-based decks and control decks can play harder Karan. And that just stonewalls Copter. So now there's actually a choice here. You can't just kind of go all in or go wide. You actually have to play removal to get rid of the, the opponent's Heart of Karan. So I think that kind of reigns in Copter a bit. I think this also gives more... Wait, people should reevaluate wait the, the Vehicles deck and maybe look at... You know, when we looked early on at Kaladesh, the sort of Dwarven-based, I guess... What do you want? Uh, what do you call them? The... Uh, artificers that list because if you go i think this is still absurdly powerful where you go toolcraft exemplar harder cure and depala like that is scary <laughs> but is so, it is that significantly more scary than that same opening but replace harder cure with smuggler's copter i think i'm more scared of smuggler's copter because then my opponent's like looting away their jank and drawing more action well, you overvalue looting like it's well, a five yeah, but, five flying vigilance hitting yeah, your face yeah, if you're yeah you're, you're you're looting but i'm winning the race so you can draw a couple extra cards and you'll be dead a turn turn or two later earlier than i would so the, the the other thing that we haven't really brought up is it's also legendary sure smuggler's copter you can run four yeah. of you discard additional copies if you don't need them to the looting this one if you run four of you're gonna get some really clunky draws yeah but i mean we've seen we've seen uh legendary creatures get jammed as more of like a two of i mean avicen you see ishkana i mean there's if, yeah, if it, if but two drops and five drops are much different, I think. That's true. Well, I mean, this is more of like a five drop, isn't it? It's a four four flying vigilance. That's like what you're getting out of a five drop right now. Yeah, but who said but that I think, to be like, exclusive? You... you play both. If you have too many hardy Karans, loot them with <laughs> yeah. your smuggler's copter, right? <laughs> there like... you go. Well, isn't there diminishing returns with vehicles because you have to be able to crew them? Like, you can't. That's why you haven't seen, like, I don't know, 20 vehicle decks because it's a real cost to have enough creatures to turn them on all the time. That's true. So I, I don't know. Now you can use your planeswalkers. <laughs> Ajani. Or, or Nissa <laughs> uh, from the planeswalker deck. I, she has I, so I, much I must loyalty. say that... think, of, think of how many times you could activate a Heart of Kirin with the planeswalker deck Nissa, like eight times. I was going to say the, the Planeswalker deck and Johnny suddenly looks more enticing because he <laughs> yes. has a plus two and a plus one. Oh, so wow. He, he just gets insane loyalty, so you could use it to crew Hardy Kiran. Oh, my goodness. I can't if believe you're you guys somehow... made me say this. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you somehow crew the Hardy Kiran, you get a 6-6, six, six, and then you just throw it. A... Well, no, you'd have to crew it first, right? Yeah. So every time beyond the first time, it just gets exponentially better. Yeah, you can you you can crew it with the Johnny and then get plus two, oh, which no. is net plus one, yeah, and it gets yeah. plus two plus two, six six flying vigilance. Wow, you don't even need to crew it first, right? You remove the loyalty, then you plus two. Yep. it's a six. Wow, the, the I'm funny- all in on the Valiant Protector <laughs> right now. The funny thing is, <laughs> no matter how good that scenario sounds, uh, the counter argument is just, oh, you got six mana, why don't you just cast an Emrakul and like win the game on the spot? Instead of, yeah, oh, but- I can make my 4-4 four, four, a 6-6, six, six. <laughs> well, I can just take your turn and play a 13-13. How yeah, about that for I, six I, I mana? I get Emrakul pretty much <laughs> makes everything look awful, but Emrakul is not going to be around forever. These cards are. Yeah, that's true. There is a rotation. So I don't yeah, know. I'll yeah. be much more excited for anything that's six 
plus mana uh, this fall once there's rotation, because it's just such a tough sell to play any six drop over Emrakul. Like, you got to have a really good reason to not be playing Emrakul for six or seven mana and playing something else. Well, luckily, you get you get an answer to Emrakul, and we're going to talk about it. So I, I'm I'm I don't know, man. Sahili, red red blue. You have Heart of Kiran. You have this new counter spell. I don't know. Just looking pretty good. Just imagine Virgil's Gear Hulk with this thing. Oof. You could literally play all the summary dismissals and all of this next card that we're going to talk about. And Sahili Rai and Heart of Kiran, Nerd Ape. I think we have a deck. I'm just saying, Nerd Ape can't even crew, can't even crew the heart <laughs> no, of Kieran. Yeah, even so with the heart awful. of Kieran now. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, wait, wait. Does this mean uh, Kieran is dead? Uh, he's, he's in there. He died, right? What, what was the story? Didn't we already know that? Oh yeah, he's he did die. And he's in here. No. What is this? Yeah, he's flying around in the heart of Kieran. I I have no idea. You know, he's flying around looking at stuff. <laughs> So he graduated from being like a thopter token into like a Sarah. <laughs> Pretty <Angel>. much. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so next card. I think this is the card Chaz is talking about. He seems pretty hyped about this, but that's weird because he's a green mage. But disallow. One blue blue instant counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Well, I'm only excited because this used to be void slime, and that is green, so you know. <laughs> I come from that time. <laughs> what do you think, Seth? Do we finally have something to work with? Because not that we were 100% wrong about blue white and like it's on the cusp and we had some new stuff. Like, does this push us over the edge or what? It's it's still awkward in some situations because you're you put yourself. Uh, we were talking about Emrakul. You're in a situation where you got to do either or like you either have to counter the Emrakul and your opponent takes your turn or you counter the trigger and then your opponent has an Emrakul and neither one of those is that great. But I really like disallowing in general. I'm not sold on it being the be all and end all answer to Emrakul specifically, but we've seen a lot of three mana counter spells with some amount of upside, uh, exiling the spell, scrying one. And I'm pretty sure disallow is, the most upside we've seen since wizards kind of went to that model of three mana with some amount of upside rather than like two mana with downside. So I I'm excited for this one. I think this is an interesting test case for three mana counter spells because you're never really happy to play three mana counters in the upside so far hasn't been enough to make you happy to play them. But I think this one might be enough. And I think it might even be enough that, it could show up in modern as like a, at least a sideboard card or maybe a one of in the main deck and like Jeskai control decks. It is pretty powerful. It hits Planeswalker Ultimates, which is really strong. And I don't know. I think this card is very good. Yeah, not be, being mono blue is such a big upgrade than than when it used to be Void Slime. But I don't know. I honestly, I look at Disallow and Heart of Kieran. So now we're looking at both of them. We were talking about Ajani. I think Richard has me sold on like Bant, but I want to use the pack of Johnny. So think about it. You counter, you counter Emrakul's ability. You just keep crooting hard of Kieran and Ajani unyielding just gets rid of Emrakul. No big deal. Just <laughs> get her up on out of there. <laughs> you just minus two. She's gone and just keep beating down with the four, four. 
Yeah, well, you better keep beating down because your opponent's going to be at like 40 <laughs> life after you do that sword to plowshares. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, a 4 4 will get there. Come on. Only takes four turns. <laughs> 40 turns. <laughs> uh, no, what do you what do you think, Richard? You like somewhat controlling decks. Is this a good enough three mana counter that you're actually happy with it? I don't like it. I don't think no? it's that good. I mean, I think it will see play, but I'm not convinced that it's better than uh, what's the dissipate we have right now? Oh, the one, like the void one, void shatter, void shatter, maybe? because. Exiling a card right now is a big deal, right? You know, it, it gets rid of dredge-type things. It, it gets rid of delirium stuff. And, you know, graveyard removal is at a premium right now. So I'm not convinced that you would play these over Void Shatters. You know, turn off Gear Hulk or one for two yourself by countering half an Emrakul. Like, are you still winning <laughs> at this point? Like, <laughs> like why don't you just pay one more mana and play Summary Dismissal? If what you're after is stopping an Emrakul, you'll have that in time, right? So to me, this is like a utility uh, card that you will put some number of maybe in your deck, but you're not happy anytime you use the triggered or activated ability, you like the stifle part of it. Because most of these effects are recurring. And you know, that one time you're going to get that Liliana ultimate and feel super cool, but most of the time you're just kind of like <laughs> zero for one yourself, right? And buy yourself another turn before you meet your demise. So right. I, I'm not sure that well, that's that good. And Void Shatter seems way better. Well, what do you feel? Well, to Seth's point, what do you feel about this outside of Standard? I don't know that I'd play this in Modern. Would you play okay. this in Modern? I, Is this I, really I feel the best like it has... stifle effect we have? There, there's there's other stifle effects, so. right? I think it is. It is. I think it is the best. There's a there's a two mana stifle, but a trick bind. Uh, no, that's kind of like a no. That's that's stifle, isn't it? Yeah, it's a two mana stifle. What do you but, need to stifle in modern? Uh, Nahiri ultimates, Emrakul annihilator triggers on turn three off of yeah Dorio's vengeance. The the awkward thing is, as I was writing about this card for the article this week, I like that it's a stifle in modern, but the more I thought about what you can actually do with it. There's very few situations where, and it's the same in standard actually, where you wouldn't just counter the spell outright. Like it, it's kind of awkward in that sense. Like, Oh yeah, you can stop a thought, not trigger. Well, why don't you just counter the <laughs> counter the thought, not, and not have the four, four, or oh, I can counter this reflector mage trigger or this planeswalker. Why don't you just counter the actual spell? So I think it's a little less good, then it might appear just because uh, like Richard was saying, void chatter just counters the spell outright. And most of the time, that's what you're going to do with disallow. But I, I think at three mana, I think there's a chance that it can show up in modern. The, the counter argument is void slime never did, but void slime is green and decks that yeah. would want a stifle counter spell don't necessarily play green. So I think there's a chance it's like a one of sideboard card. I don't know specifically what you're fighting with it, but it, I think it has an up, upside that you would consider it at least. I'd rather just play summary dismissal, honestly. Like, I, I you know, on the off chance that you have three mana instead of four mana to counter the big thing that's going to kill you. Like, usually most of these things, like Nihiri Ultimate, you have plenty of time to set up and get your mana. And I think being a three mana counter spell as opposed to a remand or a mana leak will cost you like way more games not being able to take out their turn two or turn three play. So I can't see this being as a general counter spell in any modern deck. Uh, maybe if you're super scared of Goriel's Vengeance. 
Uh, I don't know if you're winning though if you stifle Annihilator and get 15 to the face by Emrakul. <laughs> so again, like it's just like it kind of helps, but not really. Like is summary dismissal at one more mana not what you really wanted to do? Like remove everything, counter all the storm triggers, counter spell and cast trigger, and you know all that good stuff. I think it's a I think it's a 25 cent rare, but it's better than most three mana counters. Your we get in standard i mean just look at most of those st- counters we get in standard i mean like you said yeah void shatter is really good but void shatter is not going to be around forever so this at least sticks around and at most i think the most that we can hope for for this is just some niche role in modern yeah well and in, if in that... standard you can stone rain people they crack their evolving walls you're like right wow <laughs> yes so yeah. three mana stone rain is pretty strong so like I, you could get some uses out of it in standard true and I mean, you can, that's one of the reasons I do like it in modern is it it does do the same trick with fetch lands, especially if you're on the play and can uh, get a fetch land that your opponent plays on turn two, for example. It's still pretty powerful. I just play Shadow of Doubt if you want to play that game. You can draw a card. <laughs> and you can cycle it when you want. Yeah. You, just, you play both and Summary Dismissal and maybe Void Slime and just mono blue land destruction. Blue red land destruction. Come on, Seth. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't think it'd be good, but it would be sweet. I uh, can you imagine, like, for some reason, getting your fetch land stifled or disallowed? I think is more frustrating than getting it stone rained. I don't know why. Probably the same reason, like, people don't like their spells getting countered. Like, once it's on the battlefield, you feel like at least you did something. But getting your spell, <laughs> getting your spell stifled, is so frustrating. So I think you get that psychological advantages too. Kind of tilt your opponent a little bit. It's because you could have theoretically played around it, but you did it, and you got stifled. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is great. <laughs> All right, next card: Dark Intimations. Two blue, black, and a red. Five converted mana cost. Sorcery. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, then discards a card. You return a creature or planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand, then draw a card. When you cast a Bolas Planeswalker spell, exile Dark Intimations from your graveyard. That Planeswalker enters the battlefield with an additional loyalty counter on it. Ooh. That's a lot of text. That is a lot of text. So, Bolas confirmation. Yeah, we're we're confirmed for Bolas and Amonkhet. That's, like, pretty much a given. Are we? What if there's, like, Bob Bolas? (laughs) <laughs> hey, it's his long lost brother. It says a Volus plays not a nickel Volus, right? It says just yeah, a well, Volus Bladeswalker spell. Yeah, they did that same thing with uh, 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 Spirit oh, Haven of the Spirit Dragon. Wait, wait, is Nickel and like a can... title or something? What, I, what's his name? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> is the Nickel like a title? Nick, so Volus is actually his name. Yeah, Nicole Bolas. But what's the Nicole? Is that like his first name? Last name? I don't know. The dragon title, like Mister, Mrs. Nicole, like dragon titles. Because what, what if it was a Bob Bolas? Would that be totally we, like, out of left field? We can barely, we can I, barely pronounce this stuff right. You want to like go further and like try to dissect this? It's a dragon. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> so, so di- discounting what this card does, did you like? Let's see. A couple years ago, before wizards. Uh, they were in this mode where they wouldn't say Planeswalker on spells, period. And then all of a sudden, like, Hero's Downfall might have been the first, like, card to reference Planeswalkers. And now, 
we get tons of cards that do that. Did you like it better when Planeswalkers weren't referenced constantly on other spells like this random get one loyalty for your Nicole Bolas ability? No, no, because they were a part of the game. And I think we actually had this, this, this discussion a while back on the podcast. And I'm actually leaning towards what Richard said here because they were part of the game, but they really weren't part of the game. Wait, and when you can't interact with a, a specific part of the game, it's actually really awkward. I, I I agree with that. I'm glad we have Hero Downfall, especially with them pushing Planeswalkers. But for me, yeah. this goes a little bit too far. You make this edict, like, discard spell, and you just got to tack on four extra lines yeah. of tax to give one specific Planeswalker <laughs> one extra loyalty counter. Yeah. I actually think it's going to be important. I actually think yes. this second line is not random, and... It might be crazy, but they might let you ultimate Nickel Bolas as soon as you cast it with this ability. Oh, or I heard a theory of sweet. no plus, you know, plus abilities on Nickel Bolas, just all minuses, and this is what gets you your plus. So I actually like <sighs> it that they're doing weird things. Yeah. At worst, it's a Heart of Kiran activation. Boom. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> really? All of that? <laughs> that's what that's that's the silver lining here. <laughs> no, but. I actually I have I have less of a problem with um the planeswalker clause than I, I don't like this foreshadowing stuff because it's really weird. Like I don't know. It maybe it's because I just kind of live through the whole like as you know, the oh, what was the one in World Wake? I have uh, Ugin. I have Ugin. And then it's like, oh, what are Eldrazi's? And then they're oh my here's all the Eldrazi's and then it ends up like a twenty dollar card for some reason. I have no idea. I I just don't like that. I don't it's weird. It's cool, but kind of weird at the same time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it is, it is a little odd, except this time we already knew Nicole Balas was coming in Amonkhet. It was, they are pretty upfront about that. So this one doesn't specifically bother me that much. What about the card discounting this future Balas that may do something sweet with it? Uh, in a standard game, would you play this? It seems sweet in multiplayer because it's each opponent does this stuff and, yes. and that's kind of cool. But in standard, is this anywhere even close to being something you'd play in a deck? I, I think we have to see how viable Grixis is, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're getting a lot out of it. It was like people play Cruel Ultimatum. <sighs> Cruel Ultimatum does uh, much more. more than this. Yeah, so. no, yeah, but the coloring, the tight, like it was like double blue and then like double red and double black. Like it was really hard to cast. Like let's not kid ourselves. But that like kind of just would win you the game most of the time. Like when you resolved it, you, you would think. <laughs> but this, uh, this is I, like, uh, I don't know. I've seen the Cruel Ultimatum off the top, and that game lasted a long time. <laughs> This is like mini ultimate. This is like cruel suggestion or something. It's like it does something. It's it sacrifices a creature, which might be a little sad in a world of thopters, and it just gets you net like two cards, but it doesn't give you any life, so it doesn't help you stabilize. So I don't think you're gonna play this unless that bolus clause actually does something useful. Like I can't imagine, you know, here play this. Sacrifice your three minute inspector. Go. <laughs> it's like what what, yeah. what did I accomplish? Nothing, right? Like, I get I get something back in a card. Yeah, that doesn't seem really good. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. And there's just good options. We have so many good raised dead effects. If you really are in the the business of getting a creature back from your graveyard, Liliana so much more efficiently costed. Grapple yeah. with the past. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm withholding judgment until we see Bolas. Hopefully. I'm going to be very disappointed if we get Bolas and this card just 
it says all that bolus stuff for no reason and it doesn't do something cool or make sense with the new bolus planeswalker yeah i i really hope what richard suggested is true that would be see that would actually be cool because then if you can ultimate bolas and it's actually really worthwhile and you have to play the dark uh intimations for it that would be sweet but if you're right i would be on board with it too but if yeah if like we get nicole bolas and it's like this has nothing it's so arbitrary like it gets one extra loyalty and that doesn't actually do anything then yeah that would be kind of underwhelming that would have to go in the book right that has to go in the book that doesn't have to go in the book no no that's not a that's not a lore (laughs) fail that's just like bad card design (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough It's like nickel bolus is not a bolus planeswalker, but instead of nickel planeswalker, you're like, what is this? So, so how about this? The nickel bolus has an ability that wins you the game on the first activation, but it has zero loyalty. So the only way you can even get that activation is you have to have one of these Wait, in your is graveyard. Oath, is Oath of Gideon? Oath of Gideon is still around, yeah, and that that does the same thing. Does that to every planeswalker. <laughs> Every planeswalker, you don't have to be named Nicole Bolas, and it's three mana, and it gives you creatures, and it's as white. So you're playing four colors, uh, uh. But you have Ultra. Ult of Nissa, so then you can be five oh. colors and fix your mana. Yeah, let's do it. All right, moving on to Battle at the Bridge X Black Sorcery. Improvise. Your artifacts can help cast this spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana ability pays for one. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. You gain X life. So artifact convoke. I like the mechanic, and I think it could do some interesting things, but the card itself, I'm lukewarm on, I think. Me too. I, I like the mechanic, but the card, like, it's okay, but um, I'll have to see what else has improvised, because this just could be one of the, like, this could just be one of the more not-so-great improvised cards. Yeah, I mean, you have Grasp of Darkness. Gives <laughs> you yeah. minus four, minus four for two mana at instant speed. I don't see how this beats it. I mean, I guess you could live the dream and do 13 mana to kill an Emrakul if you somehow top-deck this after they take your turn. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Sorcery speed, targeted removal with so much mana, I'm not really buying here i think you really got to be a deck that's flooding the board with artifacts to really like a like the colossus decks almost where you have like prophetic prisms and puzzle knots and all that stuff that you want on the battlefield anyway and then if you have a bunch of artifacts you can just tap for free maybe four more then you have a pretty reasonable card one mana kill something gain some life i could see that if there's like I think for me, it depends on the new Tezra. If the new Tezra is good and works with artifacts, which it should, and can support like a blue black artifact control deck, I could imagine this being some part of that deck because the life gain is pretty relevant. Killing something, uh, especially for a cheap price and gaining some life to stabilize seems nice, but I think we got to see what support an archetype like that would have. But on its face in the dark, I think you're right. Grasp of Darkness has got to be better in a huge percentage of decks. Man, you're going all in on this Colossus deck. <laughs> Between <laughs> last week and, and this week, I, <laughs> this Colossus deck is, <laughs> is getting a lot of new stuff. <laughs> all right. But yeah, no, yeah. Next I card. do agree with everything you said. Pia's Revolution. Two and a red 
enchantment. Whenever a non-token artifact is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to your hand unless target opponent has Pia's Revolution deal 3 damage to him or her. So th- this card is horrible, but I think it could fit in the Colossus deck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is this card horrible? Uh, yeah. What? It's, uh, it's like Aetherios. Remember how disappointing that same ability was on Aetherios for the same mana cost? Isn't this just broken, though? For like modern, am I missing something? How can't you just what? like eggs or something here? Wait, am I am I am I? What, I don't know. I feel no? like eggs. <laughs> I feel like people ask me like affinity. I don't see it. Eggs. No. I don't really see it. It seems like this card doesn't solve the problems with those decks, like Stony Silence or like counter spells on your your big finisher of your eggs. So I think this doesn't solve any of the problems. It maybe it would work in those strategies but the problem with eggs isn't that it can't win the game when you're going off which pure revolution would do the problem is if your opponent plays a stony silence on turn two you your whole plan is just ruined and this doesn't really solve that problem i see so you think it's win more that it doesn't actually do anything useful right well how does eggs still recur their stuff i mean they don't really have any i mean it's kind of like a one-time use isn't it like eggs doesn't have well you, you, need, you need seven you need seven anymore. artifacts right and if you sack them all and if your opponent decides to have them deal three damage they're dead otherwise you get to keep looping it right I think that there could be a combo deck that would use this but I don't think it's one of the like a known deck I don't think you just slot this into eggs or one of those decks there could be a a combo where you can keep sacking and getting back artifacts and put your opponent in a position where they have to uh, basically have to let you keep drawing cards and getting your artifacts back because you get them low enough on life. But I don't think it's a known deck. So I think it's possible you could brew around it and find a home. But I guess I was saying it was horrible because I think people have the impression that you can just like, oh, I, I have a couple Metal Spinner's Puzzle Knots or Wood Reaver's Puzzle Knots in my deck. I'm going to stick this in my deck and it's going to be sweet. And I don't think that's how this card, I don't think you can play it like that. You can't just like slot this into your deck. It's got to be a really specific combo. And I don't know off the top of my head what that would be. I haven't figured it out yet. All right. Uh, repression of the Consulate. So this was actually spoiled today. Uh, in French, so this is unofficial translation. Three white, white enchantment. When repression of the consulate enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts your opponents control until repression of the consulate leaves the battlefield. Now, there's some debate whether it's all opponents or a target opponent. The French translation was a bit ambiguous, so no one really knows, so take that with a grain of salt. But in 1v1, it's the same effect. Eh, beautiful, beautiful art. I, I mean, I love, I love Jonas, but not a beautiful card. I, How about there has that to be something deck? better than. Yeah, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> after the last two weeks, a print a card that ruins all of my brewing, all of my plans. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. You're right. I mean, really? but mm. it's good though, right? I mean, it's it's not great, but it's fine. Five mana destroy your smuggler's copter? I don't know. Yeah. No, it's all artifacts. It's like it it it's good in the way that Shatterstorm is good as a sideboard card if you're in an artifact heavy matchup or creeping corrosion. Like and those cards see play to beat specific decks. And we have a lot of artifacts in standard, so maybe this card won't be necessary, but if artifact decks are really good, you'll definitely slot this into your sideboard. 
I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it hits a lot I, of incidental I, things see. like Torrential Gearhulk, sure. all of the Gearhulks, as a matter of fact. Uh, Heart of Kiran, Smuggler's Copter, Thopter Tokens. But five mana is a lot. And if they remove this, you're going to be super sad giving them more <laughs> uh, Gearhulk triggers. So, <laughs> But it, yeah, it does just... just randomly hose the Colossus deck, though. So... <laughs> That's nice. So you, you can just like slam it down. <laughs> Yeah, so the Colossus deck, I guess your dreams are crushed on this one, Seth, but, uh, which is unfortunate because we were just talking about it. But I don't know. For outside of Standard 2, like, there has to be better stuff than this. Well, no, outside of Standard, there's there's definitely Fracturing Gust, I think, is the same mana yeah. and gains you a bunch of life and doesn't give your opponent the stuff back when they uh, uh, cast a Ray of Revelation on it. Right, and so we were just talking about Standard. I still don't even see it in Standard. Like, yeah, maybe, but... The, the problem is, and I think what Richard kind of touched on this is, like, even with Torrential Gearhulk, it's not like there's, like, 500 artifacts out at one time. So it's like, you go one for one with their Torrential Gearhulk, like, that's still not even that good. I don't, I don't think you play this in your main deck, and maybe you don't even need it in your sideboard, but this is one of those cards that I'm glad exists, because we're getting another sure. artifact set, and if we end up with decks that are constantly having four or five six artifacts on the board this is a reasonable answer that wasn't in standard before so i'm glad this card is around just in case the format gets to a place where it's important sure although it is a turn slower than aetherworks marvel so also though does not die to fragmentize that would be That's... the ultimate blowout <laughs> <laughs> that would that would be awful <laughs> so i don't know maybe uh like i guess the best you can hope for is it hoses the colossus deck <laughs> which is going to be good as we know <laughs> i yeah apparently all right so that's all our spoilers so far uh i think they're all leaks <laughs> uh, and don't look at the cards if you care about the story because the art will give away the story although i guess we spoiled bolus but it could be bob bolus so you don't know <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I'm telling you, <laughs> how shocked would you be if it was actually Bob Wallace? I I really would cry. <laughs> You're like it's the 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 fifth elder dragon from Tarkir or something, Bob Bolas. And Nicol Bolas has to come about. save the day against Bob Bolas. <laughs> Why are we set on Bob Bolas? I don't know, that's the first name that came to my mind. <laughs> okay. Fair we'll, enough. We'll fair give enough. him a more Bob magic Bol- name, okay? <laughs> Okay. Uh, no. Well, yeah. I mean, we can't even figure out Nicole Boas, so Bob Boas. Works. Was, what if it's actually like Nicole Boas? <laughs> like Nicole uh-huh. with an E. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so really quickly before we talk about uh, fish mail, we have some leak package, more leak stuff, I guess, uh, from uh, Wizards of the Coast. So good job. Um, the We have some packaging. Now... We inadvertently saw what we are assuming is the block after Amonkhet, and we got to we got to see Amonkhet, and then the set after Amonkhet, which does have Nicole Boas, you know, plastered all over the pack. So we kind of get that confirmation again. But I'm assuming all of this is real. Maybe you know the Atlazan and uh, these you know these next two sets. It's Atlazan and Hour of Destruction. No, that's the second one. Conquest of Power. Conquest of Power. Maybe they're not directly after Amonkhet, but they're 
I'm assuming it'll they will be a set at some point. Yeah, so you can see the image on the site and in the podcast notes. Uh, but you see Amonkhet Hour of Devastation packaging, and it looks Egyptian and legitimate. And then you see Atlazan and Conquest of Power. I don't know what this is exactly. Some people say Atlantis. I don't know where the Atlantis part comes from. Maybe from Atlazan. Some people are saying uh, Mayan civilization, Meso uh, Meso Mesoamerica, Mesoamerican. Uh, based on the Conquest of Power art. So it, it is some other civilization that we're going to. And you can see the art. And Wizards has said uh, these are just concepts. They're, they're not actual pictures of packaging. But my guess is these are used, they're going to be used for something. And it looks quite legitimate. So whether it's the next block or two blocks down the line or something, I think this is coming, but... Nothing is official, so it's all speculation at this point. So, Seth, are you, are you tired of the the Gatewatch Planeswalkers yet? <laughs> uh, a, a little bit. I'm, They'll be uh, here. Nothing's I'm, saying that they're not going to be here. Well, I, Ajani. So Ajani uh, and Vraska, right? And then two unknown characters. Well, that, that that may not be Vraska, but I hope it is. Is that not Vraska? That could it could I guess it just could be any Gorgon, but I hope it's Vraska. So. So, question for you. We've gone to a lot of worlds recently that are based on real-world cultures. When we're not going to return to worlds, do you think that Wizards is leaning too heavily on... And I know everything's influenced by the real world, and when I brought this up on Twitter, people said, oh, well, Ravnica's like Eastern Europe and all this stuff, but we've been going to, like, Theros is very directly inspired by a real-world culture, and we've kind of been going to a lot of worlds like that. Are we doing that too much? Do we need more fantasy worlds in Magic? What's a fantasy world that's new and unique? Uh, Aren't they well, all inspired think... or copying something? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like going to Dominaria and some of the older planes, so, Lorwyn so Lord of the and Rings, those places. Lord of the Rings, but not Lord of the Rings or uh, <laughs> The Hobbits or Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. It just feels like everything is very top down based on actual cultures in the real world. Oh, I got now, And so it doesn't used to necessarily be that Phyrexia, way. Mirrodin, those are some Yeah, original. those type of, yeah, those type of places that are that are more about magic than about the real world if it means going back to meriden then no definitely <laughs> not <laughs> definitely not no but i get what you're saying i mean obviously i mean if you just look at literature and even all like even even innistrad was taken from uh hp lovecraft i mean it's it's hard to be original especially these days but I think they're doing a good enough job. Like, yeah, it's kind of similar to real world like settings, but I think there's enough spin on it that, you know, it's still fresh and unique. Like Kaladesh is kind of like the steampunkish, but not really. And all that. It's like very ornate. There's enough of an illusion. And that's like what you do in storytelling. You have to create enough of an illusion to everyone that's interested in the sets and even just reading or, or playing a game or anything else. I, I think they do a good enough job creating the illusion that this is still all new and fresh. So I, I'm not too upset about it Yeah, I, because I, I mean, it's still successful. I agree with Chaz. I think Kaladesh is a good example. That's India inspired slash steampunk inspired. And there's enough of a unique twist on it that it feels magic and not, you know, like a rip off or it wasn't done untastefully or anything. So I'm going to assume these other planes they do will be good as well. 
And Theros was a hit, right? Everyone loved Theros. So these planes that are based on actual civilizations, I think they're going to be pretty popular. Uh, I guess it's going to depend on how popular. Like, I know a lot of people like Egyptian-themed stuff. Uh, I don't know about this Mayan-themed stuff. We're going to find out how popular that is. But maybe that's what they were testing in this survey. Like, do you, do you care about Mayan culture or something? Can you even pull it out from the packaging? Can you identify it? Maybe that's what they're testing. Like, no one knows. But I'm, I'm down with it. I'm down for visiting uh, civilizations and stuff. As long as it's not too weird or, you know, they don't do it untastefully or things like that. But Magic has shown that they've done it pretty well so far. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> you know what? You, we changed your mind? <laughs> or, or, or were uh, wow, you just really? playing devil's advocate there? No, I, I would like to see more Magic Worlds, but hearing you guys talk through it, I do agree. I don't think the recent worlds have been bad, and that wasn't what I was going for. I do think they've done Kaladesh well, and they did Theros well in those, but... It feels like there just hasn't been too many Muradins or Lorewinds or those type of like magic specific planes that aren't necessarily real world inspired. I'd like to see more of those mixed in, but I do agree that they've done a good job uh, with their sets that have been influenced by real world cultures. We need more Kithkin. Less Muradin is a Kithkin. <laughs> less, yeah, less Muradin is a good thing. We keep saying, I keep saying this. <laughs> we got to see what happened in New Frexia. What's no, going on? No, we don't. We definitely don't. What is going on with the <laughs> Phyrexians anyway? What was the last? Are they are they dead? What happened? What was the last set? Was that Scars? I think they took uh, over New Phyrexia was the last set. They took yeah, over Mirrodin. And that was it? Did the Gatewatch not kill everything? No? What, what happened? Uh, I think they're just living in New Phyrexia <laughs> in peace. <laughs> in peace. All right, drinking oil out of the The, the Praetors you know, are hanging yeah. out and partying and <laughs> having a good time. Well, they'll probably show up in Mesoamerica or something sometime yeah. soon. That, <laughs> yeah, and see, that's really a shame that they don't have the books anymore. Such a waste. They don't even do like the web comics. I mean, uh, you, you have the, just a waste. the web stories. But does that even cover everything? I don't know. If you if you compiled all of them that they release, is it the length of one of their books? I, I don't even know. Like with the amount of content. So. Hmm. I'm not I'm not a big Vorthos person, but I've heard the Vorthos people have been very happy with the stories lately. Sure. And they have thought they've been more well done than they were in the past. So I think they're at least making some effort, even though it probably can't completely replace the books. Yeah. I, no, yeah. Recently they've been really good. But I guess there was that like time period where we didn't have the books, and then it was before like their effort to really focus on the story. I don't know. Okay, let's do some fish mail. All right, so here's where we answer your question. So if you want to ask a question, send a tweet to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll answer your questions uh, on air or directly. So first question from at MeanMeanPork. Out of the entire crew, who would be the best at the MagicCards.info art game? on impossible mode who knows what this game uh, is <laughs> i do i do know what the game is there's a game yeah and i i think i would be the best is it just you look you at would the be the best and you have this to is, figure out the this cards? is this is uh this is blade wing <laughs> wing thrall i'm looking at right now yeah what, what what is the game i'm so confused Okay, so yes, it it is magic art info. If you go to the art game, it just shows you some clip of magic art, and you have to recognize the card name, and you can also on impossible mode try to guess the artist as well. Okay, well mm -hmm. I'm failing. So there's a horse with some <laughs> emaciated guy holding a scythe. 
How do I see the answer? Uh, isn't that the one from Shadows Over Innistrad? No. No, it's Lost Order of Jarkled Ice Age. Oh. Apparently I, yeah. I played with this card as a kid, but I just cannot remember. <laughs> I just did not recognize it. This is we impossible. Should... This next, would be an awesome next. video. It's like a mountain. Who drew this mountain? I don't know. <laughs> next. Oh, that, yeah. Next. See, that, that, that would be hard. That would I, be hard. I'm 0 for I wouldn't 7. do good with the artist. I, I think I would do well, I guess, impossible mode. If that means artists, then I might not win. But if it's guessing the card art, I think I would be pretty good at that. Because I've spent a lot of time sorting magic cards. So I've seen pretty <laughs> much all the magic card art over the course of uh, buying and selling collections. Yeah, but if you have to do like mountain number 164 or whatever, then there's no way. That's yeah. like impossible. I guess that's why it is impossible, impossible mode. So this is really hard. Yeah. Well, I'm like oh for twenty. <laughs> oh, I got uh, one. Mind flavor. Finally got one. <laughs> <laughs> we should Out of twenty tries. We should find a way to compete at this sometime. Yes, this would. This is actually we're we we're not gonna forget about this. This is. I think this is gonna start something. I'll do this after the <laughs> We'll just assemble like twenty of them, twenty pictures together, and see if we can list them. I'm gonna guess Seth will win hands down. Okay. Seth knows like surprisingly weird cards, like really <laughs> obscure cards. I'm Fair. telling you, it's really how, from look, looking through hundreds of thousands of cards, buying and selling collections. How, that makes you good at it. How much of the picture do you get? Like just a little, like a quarter you get, of you the, the full art. picture. You get the full art. It, it oh, looks you get like the you full get art. Yeah. Oh, then I think I, I think I can get this. I mean, there are some really weird cards here. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll we'll try that, and uh, we'll we'll yes. tag Mean Mean Pork. See see uh, I, he or she is also if they're good at this, this game. This made me think, Richard. We should start our own version of this on the Goldfish site, but instead of the art game, it can be the pronunciation game. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Didn't you do a video about that? We should do like a, a revised video, or a, just another. We should do a whole. You could almost do a whole series of that. Of just me saying things wrong? <laughs> all of us. <laughs> if you include all three of us, there has to be like hours and hours of content. <laughs> all right. Next question from at 11 Vicious. What are the odds of unhinged land-like lands in Almanket? Full art egyptian theme lands would be sweet. They would be. I don't think we're going to get it, though. Yeah, Wizards seems to like to hold those for special sets and we still kind of have them in standard with the uh, battle for zendikar so i think it'll be a minute before we get more full art lands. okay wait quick question who knows geography is is egypt more than just the sahara desert <laughs> are there islands and mountains and stuff uh i i think it's pretty arid as far as i know is, like everything just gonna be like sand and like no no land i i guess i don't know they i mean they have rivers and stuff so maybe there's some lush <laughs> green rivery lands hmm. well i've never never been i'm gonna say no on the unhinged like lands just because they just did it recently and i think it's gonna literally be one like once every two years they're gonna break it out to to get some hype but i can't imagine them bringing it out this soon already next question from at harman zachary what are the chances of seeing regulated tournament play of edh I mean, I think that exists in competitive EDH, right? Chaz, you play competitive EDH to some extent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think when they say regulated, probably like on a bigger stage, but I don't think that'll really ever happen just because there's so many different ways to play. I mean, 
I guess you can have a uniform way to play EDH, but yeah, there there's definitely variants of EDH like dual commander, and then they split dual commander into like two different segments like Leviathan and then dual is so those two. But on like a bigger stage, probably not. But I mean it's there's side events. I mean the I mean it's as big as it can be without being like a legitimate constructive format. I mean they're they're not gonna have GP commander. Right. No. <laughs> no. I think they should have GP commander. Uh, so, awesome, so not not but... like actual GP commander, but maybe at Worlds. Uh, so I don't know if anyone watched uh, the League of Legends All Stars this weekend, but it's basically the All Star game where they just goof off and do weird stuff. I would like to see Team Channel Fireball face Team Ultra Pro in a match of EDH, four player free for all, and you know they can do like weird fun things like that and just kind of generate hype. And you kind of get a bit, a bit of both worlds. You get some exposure to EDH, and you get to see your pros playing and stuff like that. So I think there's more chances of kind of getting the, the lesser formats, right? Everyone loves it when uh, random people play Momir, right? I like to see LSV play Momir for some prize money or something, right? So I think just showing showcasing some of these weirder formats to a broader audience would be pretty sweet. But other than that... French 1v1 commander. I think there actually is a circuit or something, right? Like, it's actually organized. In Europe, I think there's actually a lot of 1v1 tournaments, just from looking at various, like, decklist sites. So, I think it's bigger in Europe than it is over here in the US, but there are 1v1 tournaments. Yeah. It definitely is bigger in Europe. Yeah. Oh, basically CSL. That's what we need. Community Super League, but, like, in person, with all your favorite pros, you know, as... Maybe in Worlds Week or Pro Tour or something. Kind of like a celebration of magic. Uh, next question from Hash Brown Monster. Thoughts on a Chaos Draft box would contain 24 randomly selected packs throughout Magic's history. Helps with reprints. Wasn't this our idea, Chaz? Wasn't this <laughs> why Richard was gone? Didn't we come up with this live on yeah. cast? Yes. I think ha- Hash Brown Monster is trying to steal our idea. Oh, that's not going <laughs> to fly. Which is funny because it's Marty McFly. Uh, but no, we, so, no. we had this idea, and I think it's an awesome idea. I would rather see yeah. maybe, I don't know, 24 packs would be fine. But yeah, select packs. You got to have the wrappers all the same so you don't know what set is inside your pack until you open it. So no one's like fighting over the best packs in the booster box. So like an eternal masters wrapper, but then when you open it up, it's a literal pack of a random set from magic's history. I think that would be great. And yeah, I'd play I, it. yeah, we definitely came up with it. it. It's an awesome idea and it would certainly help with reprints in a fun new way. Like, and that's all branched. Uh, we, we kind of went this direction when we saw like the eternal masters, like, Re reprint when they sent out another wave and it kind of just got us thinking but yeah I, I'm definitely on board with that alright last question from at huddle awe do you guys think limited hinders wizards ability to reprint if so why not make a reprint set without limited in mind it definitely doesn't uh, hinder their ability to reprint if anything you can't really, I mean, as much as it would, I guess, be successful in some people's mind, you can't really just have a set with just reprints in it with no, I guess, direction. Like, Limited at least sells the pack, so you kind of have to have something in mind to sell the set. I think that the answer for me is generally no. I think it may come up in specific cards, like 
Blood Moon or Ensnaring Bridge might be slightly less likely to be reprinted than some other cards like a creature or uh, whatever because it doesn't really work for limited and Wizards likes to have limited sets. But if this is coming from a value perspective, I think Wizards packs as much value as they want to into each product. So I think that's a very intentional choice. So I don't think it's like, oh, we got to make limited good. So uh, Eternal Masters or Modern Masters isn't going to have as much value as it could because of limited. Also, we have all those deck products, uh, Plane Chase, Commander. So if Wizards wants to reprint something, that's a non-limited set that they can reprint things in. Yeah, I agree with Seth. I think Wizards puts exactly as much value as they want already and uh from the vault in those kind of sets are their unlimited reprint ability and they don't put that much value in them so you can kind of see it there so they they're playing this balancing game of reprint enough so that the prices are reasonable but not so much that you have no confidence in your collectible items and i think limited is just something different that those two are kind of separate outside of special cases like lingering souls or something you can't put it at common so that's all of our fish mail awesome yeah thanks everyone for sending those in every week gentlemen we talked about everything we wanted to talk about so i think that is going to be a wrap for this week um stay tuned because next week is our 100th episode so anyone that follows us along or has been listening since the beginning we're we're gonna try to do some uh some interesting stuff for for next week so really i can't wait it's gonna be fun and i think uh everyone will enjoy that so yeah thanks for joining us okay this is gonna be the mtg goldfish crew signing out tune in for the 100th episode we look forward to it